You're listening to a 1FM podcast. Well, I've got him on the line this time, and it's time for our really first one of the year. Whatever happened to you? there, Steve? I certainly am, Josh. Yes, looking forward to a new year with you, and hopefully we can get through a few more interesting characters by the end of the year. Hopefully this first one. I'm not sure whether everybody would know who this person is, but anyway, we'll give it a try and see what happens. Okay. Well, who is it? It's Little Paddy. Okay. I've heard of her, but not much else. I couldn't tell you one of her songs or anything? Uh, well, she was actually born Patricia Thelma Amplett. And if that name rings a bell, it's certainly it's because she's actually the first cousin of the late Chrissy Amplett of the Divine. Oh, wow. Cool. So she's got a musical family. That's right. Now, she was born on the 17th of March, St. Pat's Day, in 1949 in Paddington, New South Wales. She got an older brother named Joe, and as I said, she first cousin Chrissy. Now, she was nicknamed Little Patty because she had two taller friends at school named Patricia, but that wouldn't have been too difficult because she's only 4 foot 10 or about 147 centimetres in the old measurement anyway, so I think most people would have been taller than her. <laughs> Turns out. She got educated at King Street Primary School and Sydney Girls High School. Now, as an eight-year-old, she commenced piano lessons with a lady called Gwen Parsons who also taught a singer called Nolene Batley, who was at the time known as Australia's Little Miss Sweetheart. She had a couple of songs with Nolene Batley. Doesn't Um, ring a bell, to be honest. uh, I won't go any further with that. We might do her at some stage, but I think she only had two or three songs anyway. And then Fatty actually commenced singing lessons at 11. Now, she was encouraged by both this lady, Parsons and Batley, and auditioned on a teen variety show called Saturday Date and actually made a TV debut on a show called Opportunity Knocks at the age of 13. At the age of 14, as a third-year student at high school, she performed weekly at the Bronte Surf Club, which is, I think I might have mentioned that the Deltones actually performed there also. And she was lead singer of a group called The Statesman. Now, but one little funny story, that she entered a talent quest in another club under a duress from a lot of her friends who virtually carried her onto the stage to make sure she entered. Well, she actually won the talent quest because no-one else entered it. And she sang a song called Surfer Jar, which was a popular song around at the time. Now, I think a songwriter by the name of Jay Justin had a one-hit wonder in Australia called Proud of You. Now, he was very impressed with her vocals and recommended her for an EMI recording contract. Her first single was the double A-side. Some people may have heard of this song, some may not. It was a double A-side. The main song was the Ease My Blonde-Headed Stompy Wompy Real Gone Surfer Boy. Yeah, you heard that correctly. <laughs> okay, I've and never heard other, of it. No, and the other side was called Stompin' at Maroubra. Now, they were both written by Justin and the recorded record producer by the name of Joe Halford. Now, this was released by MI on the HMV label. Now, this was at the peak time of surf music and the dance style craze known as the Stomp. And in November 1963, it actually reached number two on the Sydney Music Charts, six in Brisbane, and on the National uh, Kent Music Report, it was number 19. The National Kent Music Report was actually a collation of all the states and, and I sort of did an average out of what each state had with the song and then it turned out to be number 19. So after leaving school in early 1964, she released a debut album called The Mini Moves of Little Patty and had further hits in Sydney with We're Gonna Have a Party Tonight, and that was number 18 in Sydney, Pushing a Good Thing Too Far, which was 28 in March 1965, and a song called Dance, Puppet Dance, which was reached number nine in October of the same year. She appeared regularly on bandstand, as most of these people did on bandstand, that Saturday date, and evening with and sing, sing, sing. And was actually voted Australian Female Singer of the Year in 1965. 
And she began to tour regularly, uh, supporting Cold Joy and the Joy Boys, uh, Judy Stone, and international star Sandy Shaw, who we've done on our show before. Now, on the 16th of August, 1966, this is where it becomes quite interesting, and this is where she really earned her claim to fame. 17 years and 147 centimetres, she became the youngest and shortest person to entertain troops in the Vietnam War. And she was performing quick on with Cold Joy and the Joy Boys in Nui Dad in Vietnam. The on stage not uh, two days later on the 18th of August when the Battle of Long Tan, which was a battle which involved a lot of Aussie troops, began less than four kilometres away. Now, swiftly evacuated, she was quickly made aware of how dangerous the situation was, but instinctively knew it would result in losses and recalls the orange lights which were flashing around, which of course was the gunfire, and stated that she would never forget it. Now, after the battle, she and Cole Joy visited injured soldiers and company and singing to them. And in 1994, actually received the Vietnam Logistic and Support Medal, which recognised her services to the Australian Armed Forces. Basically, her hit songs sort of finished there. And from 1965, she actually performed solo in cabarets and clubs. And although she released some singles and albums with her mind until 1970, none of these were overly successful. But she then signed with Cole Joy's recording label and management group, ATA, and, and actually appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show. I haven't actually seen a clip of that, so I don't, I don't know whether one exists or not. And moving on now into her 20s, she actually moved into the adult contemporary music, so that's probably why we didn't hear much more of her after that. And she was known as Patty Amplett from 1972, and she released singles and albums on the ATA label. And by 1977, it actually moved into country music. In 1973, she married Keith Jacobson, brother of Cole Joy, or one of Cole Joy's brothers anyway, and he was a Joy Boys bass guitarist, ATA record producer and manager. And she was a regular on the TV and the club scene. And her repertoire, which is very interesting, included Gershwin, Rogers and Hart and Cole Porter, so very much more the, the band type stuff and later on into jazz. In 1990s, he actually toured China with the legendary jazz musician Graham Bell and his All-Stars. And in 1985, she actually divorced Jacobson and married a fellow by the name of Laurie Thompson, who was a drummer, and married him in 1986. And as far as I can work out, she's still married to him, so that's going quite well. Right. And as Patricia Thompson, she became an active unionist in the entertainment industry, uh, one of her many talents. And she became a vocal teacher, and she actually coached Nikki Webster for her 2000 Sydney Olympics performance. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was most interesting. I didn't know she had any involvement with, with her. And she sort of taught at several Sydney schools in that capacity. Now, in 2001, EMI actually re-released a compilation album called its 20 Stompy Wompy Hits, featuring her early songs. To the show Long Way to the Top, which was a fairly popular show on the ABC, she actually featured in the first episode, and she actually discussed the early surf music and the stomp dance craze. I've got to remember, some of these songs too probably don't sound all that brilliant, but it was at, at the time, they were, people thought they were very good, so that's the way it is. Now, she featured in the Long Way to the Top National Concert Tour in 2002, which a few of the other artists that I've mentioned from Australia were in, and that featured the best Australian acts of the 50s, 60s and 70s. And she became paid by an organisation called FACE which is Forces Advisory Council of Entertainment, and was invited to go to Iraq to perform for Christmas 2005 and New Year 2006. 
She received an OAM on the 9th of June 2003 for her services as National President of the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance, of which she is a life member, and was also Vice President of Actors' Equity. So she certainly uh, has done a fair bit in the, in the musical capacity for her fellow musicians and actors. On 27th of August 2009, she was actually inducted into the ARIA Hall of Fame by Chrissy Amplett, and at the moment I still think she has been and still could be a singing teacher at various Sydney high schools. But they'd be interested in this little uh, piece of information, Josh. As an aside, she was one of the better-known artists involved in the Labor Party's successful It's Time-themed song for the <laughs> 1972 federal election, and that featured Cole Joy and Judy Stone and many, many other famous personalities. I can well remember it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It got, it got blasted all over this. It was on, on the TV day and night, night and day for a long time, I can assure you, but it proved to be very successful in the end. Now, I've written here that Little Patty, looking back, the songs weren't great, but they were for the times, and she's been very much involved in the music industry in an admin and overseas entertainment capacity. So this is certainly worthy of a segment on our show. So my song choices were a little bit difficult, but I do. there's one song I do like of hers, which is called Pushing a Good Thing Too Far, and that would be my first choice, Josh. Okay, and here it is now. Here's Little Patty, Pushing a Good Thing Too Far. And that was Little Paddy literally pushing a good thing too far. Thanks, Steve. You weren't overwhelmed with that, Josh? Oh, it's all right. It's quite good. That's good. Well, the other choices I've chosen, a couple of them were off an album she had, and then one of them was Single Girl, which was a cover of the Sandy Posey song. Another one called Let Me Down Lightly, which I quite liked, and Let Me Dream was another one off the album. And I, I suppose, for the purpose of the exercise, we should have the, the one that people recognise her probably most for, and that's Blonde-Headed Stompy won't be real gone surfer boy. Okay. Oh, we fortunately, can do that. Fortunately, our listeners may not actually like the song. It doesn't <laughs> That's all right. But thanks, Steve. And anything else today? Uh, not really, Josh. No, no. We're busy. I'm looking ahead quite a few weeks now to try and get a few more of these done now and get, get, get back into the groove. Hopefully, we might catch up in the next couple of months in the studio, but that's for another day. So we'll work on that one, see how we go. Okay. All right. So you're having a good week? Having a very good week. Thank you. Yes, things are certainly improving in the health area so we're very pleased with that and that's what I hope that for everybody in 2024 that you had a lousy 2023 health wise I hope we can this year is considerably better for you. Yes definitely and yeah wishing everyone a good year but take care Steve and I look forward to talking to you next week. Look forward to that Josh and obviously from our conversation the floods haven't affected you too badly but of course have affected other people in other areas so let's hope that they can Yeah yeah just people in Rochester and Seymour and yeah, it looks like hopefully no one's been inundated this time, but we just hope it stays that way. Yeah, after all, it is summer, Josh. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a bit weird. We're supposed to having El Nino, but I suppose yeah, if we get right. we, we have that, we probably have bushfires to worry about. So That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so just hope all everyone's best, staying mate, anyway. safe. Yeah, all the best to you, mate, and we'll catch up again next week. Okay, all the best. Take care. See ya. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.